and uh, welcome back to uh, the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we're here, episode number four, featuring the rookie draft preview. And uh, we have our special guest today, Zach Strong from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Zach, how are we doing today? Doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm pretty excited to be here. Right on. We're glad to have you. A little, uh, little side story. We, myself and Arm, we actually tried to get Zach on the podcast to be our permanent permanent third uh, host of the podcast, but uh, we're hoping that maybe have him on once or twice here. Might be able to set our claws in and, and have him start for good, so we'll see. Just get me hooked. <laughs> like I mentioned there, my co-host Armand. Uh, Armand's here with us today as per usual. Armand, what's new and exciting in your world? You know, it's it's a great day because uh, I, I'd like you to tell everyone who's not watching this on YouTube but listening what you're wearing today. Uh, what is that? Like I, I mentioned before we started recording here, I'm going to Detroit Lions hell because uh, I'm currently wearing a Minnesota Vikings jersey. Uh, this nice snapback Minnesota Vikings hat. Uh, I got the Minnesota Vikings Justin Jefferson uh, jersey up on the wall and then this uh, fancy little uh, Vikings cup I'll be drinking water out of during this episode. So uh, life is not great here in the carrier household at this moment, but <laughs> making the best of it. Um I don't know, a couple of exciting things. One, non-fantasy football related. I, uh, school-wise, school -wise, we're all three teachers here. Actually, we all taught together for a little bit. Uh, some exciting news. I currently just got uh, accepted into doing my master's program, so not fantasy football related. I'm a little bit excited about that one. But I think even more excited than my master's program, my last two or three trades I've whipped off in the last week or two here. <laughs> I'm uh, pretty excited about that one. I got some JT shares, so I'm real, real happy with that. It's a young running back prospect. And then I made another trade here, which will – talk about uh in the key trade cut segment because it's uh it kind of kind of goes well into that little segment and we'll, we'll talk about that one in a little bit as well too but um we're gonna get us started here um so zach uh big time new england patriots fan big time fantasy football fan uh just want to let a little question here but what do you think uh what do you think the uh pats are going to do with uh with their 15th pick there 15th overall i hope it's fourth overall I hope it's sixth overall. I hope it's eighth overall. Just not whatever they have to do, whatever they have to do to get there to get the the third or the I guess the fourth quarterback. Whatever whatever they have to do, you go do that. Yeah. Uh, defense, it's it's ready to go. They uh, they sold out in free agency. That offense is as good as it's been for a couple of years. The only missing pieces is the, the, th the quarterback. So you do what you have to do to get the guy that you think is the missing piece. So absolutely. If you, if you like, if you like Trey Lance, you go get Trey Lance and he can sit for a year behind cam. If fields somehow slips through past San Fran, you give them whatever they want. <laughs> Keep trading first. Like, more first, more first, more first. Yeah. <laughs> you, you do whatever you got to do. Like if, if they want, uh, Pats don't even have any good young guys, but if, whoever you want, you send Nikhil them to Harry. San Nikhil Harry. Just yeah, there yeah. you go. That's going to tip the, tip the scales. Canadian. Um, so Zach also a Pats fan, also a fantasy football guy. He's in a couple, uh, leagues. He's in mine and Armin's. I would consider one of our main leagues there. Uh, the one that I'm commission. We've been together in that one for a couple of years now. 
Uh, and then I'm in a league with Zach in another league. And then, well, actually a couple of us, I think the two in the one that Armin commissions were in that one as well, too. So we've been playing fantasy together for a while. I got one trade here before we get started that I want to, I want to mention this one. We, I'm myself and Armin, we talked about this one a while back. I think we might've been episode number one where we talked about how like at first glance, a trade may seem like either, either fair or lopsided, but then it can go completely the other way. And this is a this is a deal here that uh, is going to be hard to believe was actually made, but I'm going to read this one off, and I want I want Zach to explain to the people about how this one went down. So it was in 2018 this trade was made in the summer of 2018. Uh, Zach was the proud owner of Des Bryant, Marcus Mariota, yeah, I think June or July, yeah, yeah, and an early second round pick. Okay, somehow Zach turned Marcus Mariota, Des Bryant, and an early second into a mid second round pick, a early first round pick Lamar Jackson and George Kittle so do you want to you want to run us through that one there Zach <laughs> how you how you spun that web into some fine gold so looking back on it it's too good to be true like uh the best player at his position at tight end in my opinion and one of the best fantasy quarterbacks um so looking back at it it's too good to be true but in the moment, it, he was he was going for broke. He thought Des had a few years left. He thought Mariota had a few years left, and his loss, I guess. Um, but I remember when I got the the trade notification on my phone, I thought, "Geez, like, am I missing something here? This is this is, this is make believe. Like, yeah, I would have been happy for for a first for those guys." But, and somehow you snuck the first with those two prospects. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I go, I go back and I, I use that first to draft and kill Harry. So yeah. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about that one a little bit later. Not so much the Nikhil Harry trade, but, uh, or the Nikhil draft, but, uh, we'll talk about the decision-making there. So but a little bit about Zach. Zach was was, that, what's oh, that, sir, Armin? Was that Harry pick a Homer pick there, Zach? I thought. That was a landing spot pick for sure. Well, second receiver off the board in the draft. Um, Bill never takes receivers early. And I thought, man, like this is, he must have, Bill must have talked to Brady. They must have figured this is their guy to, to sit and to stick at 32 and to try to take the receiver that your quarterback likes in his final years. I thought this guy, he's going to be it. And he hasn't quite been it yet. <laughs> Not quite. He might be it on a different team. We'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah. So, so having Zach here, we're glad to have him on board. Uh, this is uh, w- one of part two. He's going to be here for the the rookie rankings and the the draft preview episode today. And then uh, he's also going to come on board with us post draft, and he's going to talk about some of our some of our guesses, some of our gambles, and the landing spots. So we're going to make this a, a two part episode. So we're glad to have Zach on for this one, and also the next one. Well, that'll lead us into our first segment here, insiders and headliners, a uh, couple retirements and a few signings to go over today. So uh, the first one, uh, we'll watch a little tear go down Zach's face when I read this one off. Uh, Julian Edelman of the New England Patriots retires. Uh, so it was a bit of a, a bit of a whirlwind that day with uh, how they ended up going about it. So New England ends up terminating his contract due to the knee injury. Uh, and then what seemed like what, maybe minutes, maybe not quite even an hour following, he ends up announcing his retirement. Uh, but Jules, from like what I would say is the definition of hard work and character from a guy that no scholarship out of high school 
uh, went to Kent State University as a quarterback, uh, no combine invite, a seventh round pick, and then turns that into 620 receptions for 6,822 uh, receiving yards, 36 touchdowns, and a three-time Super Bowl champion, including Super Bowl 53 MVP. To go from literally nobody wanting you undrafted and just put the nose to the grindstone, battle it through, and then have the career he did. As an undersized receiver, that's uh, that's a true testament to dedication and work ethic, I think. But I'm able to let uh, Zach take this first one here as, as the as the standalone Pats fan. <laughs> it's been, it's been super interesting to, uh, to read and to follow on Twitter since uh, Jules hung him up. There's the, there's a big polarizing conversation of hall of fame or not. Yeah. Um, I think hall of fame, most, most likely not. Um, unfortunately his, his regular season stats just aren't, they're not there. So he spent his entire rookie contract not making any consistent uh, contribution on offense. And, and after his rookie contract with Welker leaving, they didn't turn to him. They turned to Danny Amendola, um, which at the time I thought was a great signing, but uh, that guy just couldn't stay healthy. And he ended up going on the IR early in his first season. And, and that was, that was the chance that Jules needed to, to make an impact on the offense. Um, from there, like you said, uh, three-time Super Bowl champ, and I don't think the Pats have any of those rings without uh, without Jules on offense. Um, we have time for like a pretty pretty dear story to my heart. Yeah, shoot, yeah. go ahead. We got we got some time. All right, so it's uh, I don't know, it's like January 2015, and I think the Pats are playing Baltimore in the division round. And it's, uh, it's my, my girlfriend at the time, it's, it's her birthday. So we're out for supper with the fam. We're at the granary and the Pats are getting schlacked by the Ravens. And uh, my girlfriend's uh, father, he's a Tom Brady fan. So he's got the phone or he's got the game on his phone between, between him and I, and we're kind of just watching it unfold. And uh, the Pats are driving on offense. So I excuse myself. I go to the bathroom but I'm standing in front of the only TV in the granary in the bar, <laughs> just looking up at the TV. Brady gets it. He laterals it to Jules, and then Jules throws it across the field to Danny Amendola for the touchdown. I am just elated. I'm looking like Jonah Hill off of Moneyball when they get Racone. <laughs> I'm doing this. Just so excited. <laughs> I come back like 10 minutes later. Everybody's like, oh, like, you okay? You're in the bathroom for a long time. I look over at the girlfriend's dad and he's. I get it. You, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> oh, man. So then, and then we get back to uh, get back to the house after supper. The game's still going on and uh, girlfriend sits down and they're getting ready for the cake at the kitchen table and her dad and I are watching, watching the game in the living room and uh, Flacco throws the pick to seal the game. And uh, her dad and I are celebrating like a bunch of degenerate gamblers. <laughs> like we just, like we just saved our last dime and we're just going crazy. Like, so there's, there's that game. Uh, he followed it up three weeks later in the Super Bowl 
with the game-winning touchdown uh, against the uh, last four two years, he makes the best catch in Super Bowl history. I don't care if you're a um, Mario Manningham fan, Tyree fan. It doesn't matter. You don't beat that catch against the fucking snatching it off the uh, off the turf there. And then uh, Super Bowl MVP, 10 receptions, 141 yards. Like, that's unreal. Yeah. So looking back at it, I don't think there's a, I don't think there'll be a Patriots player that I enjoyed watching more for his entire career. But you, so going back to what you mentioned earlier, so, uh, you, so you think, I mean, like you said, it's very polarizing, but obviously as a true Pats fan, you think no, no hall of fame. I don't think so. He'll be a uh, Patriots ring of honor. Yeah. He'll be enshrined at Gillette. Um, I don't think he'll have like a, a bust in Canton, but I think there's got to be some sort of like, uh, like plaque or, or like a yeah. picture or something or display. Well, yeah, he means he means so much. Plays. He means so much to that franchise, not necessarily NFL wise, but like just the franchise alone. Like you mentioned, the three rings and and obviously what he meant to that program. Like you saw the you saw the Tom Brady comments and stuff like that after you're tired where. He was, I think was, uh, what was the comments? It was his daughter saying, I don't like, I don't like uncle's beard or something like that. And he says, oh, I did. Cause that means he's dialed in in playoffs or something like that. It's like, yeah. you know, that, that, that connection between the two is pretty, pretty special. And obviously the family connection too. So Arm, what do you think? Uh, do you think Hall of Fame or what do you think? I'll have to go with Zach there. Um, yeah. I do think, uh, I feel like he might enter the coaching rank. So. He, yeah. he seems to be that guy that has that competitive fire that just won't die. So if he continues with football, it'll be, be as a coach, I think, not an analyst like some in, guys do. Interesting to see. I think he still had a little bit left in the tank, too. His body was literally just telling him, like, it just can't be done anymore. But like even like last year, his knees are just completely shot, and he put up his career-best receiving game. And when you literally didn't have knees left and then he went on the IR shortly following and that seemed to be it, but. It's a damn shame that his final game in a Pats uniform was that just that beat down by the 49ers just at the time I was like, well, it is what it is. Like this season's not going to be, it's not going to be one for the books. And then a lot of the guys that, you know, we're on those championship teams. They, they just kind of fall away Yeah, and Jules is one of them. So it's too bad. Speak, speaking of, uh, speaking of retirees, this one's a little fresh off, fresh off the papers here. The, this afternoon, Alex Smith announced, I don't know if either of you guys got to watch it on Instagram there. I ended up posting on our, on our story too. It was Alex Smith announced his retirement in another two and a half minute video uh, that they had made and put it on his Instagram. And it was, uh, it was actually pretty, pretty neat little video and, and going through the whole backstory and stuff like, so a little bit about Alex Smith and we'll go into the content here. Uh, drafted by San Francisco. I uh, went from San Francisco to KC, KC to Washington for a 16 year career. Uh, we're in there. He missed two seasons uh, playing 174 games, uh, 35,650 passing yards for 199 touchdowns, three-time pro bowler in 2013, 2016 and 2017. Uh, but will obviously be best remembered as a, uh, the gruesome leg injury in 2018, where he got the compound fracture to his right tibia and fibula, uh, missed a season and a half, was told, well, A, probably never going to walk again, 
B, might have to amputate the leg. And then it turned to a point where it was life-threatening injuries where you might not even survive. Um, and then took that to come back a year and a half later. Uh, went in against the Rams. Uh, I think it was about halftime, I think. Uh, due to quarterback injury, went in the halftime and then got his first start again in week nine against the Lions. And then went on as a five and one for the remainder of the season as the starter. And then obviously uh, one comeback player of the year in 2020. Um, I mean, talking about when he came back against the Rams, it was like the first or second play and like everybody's holding their breath. I remember watching that game on TV and they always kept panning to his wife and her, like his wife, like couldn't even watch. He was like watching the game like this. And the first tackle was Aaron Donald coming off the edge and everybody's, you can see everybody holding their breath. And then he got up and he was good to go. And it was actually pretty, like pretty interesting. Like not like just step again, step away from the game. A guy that was told you're never walking again. You might not even survive to all of a sudden come back the dedication and to actually just be able to walk and play the game, like be able to just throw a football, but to be, one of the top 32 players in the world, theoretically, as there's only 32 starting positions in, in the NFL. So pretty, yeah. pretty amazing story from Alex Smith. And, and uh, I don't know, did you guys get to watch the video at all? Yeah, no, I, did. I haven't. It was, uh, it's pretty, it was, it was going on. He goes on about how the first thing that went through his mind was that it wasn't, Oh, am I ever going to play the game again? It was, am I going to be able to walk again? Am I going to be able to go out and, and, and go for walks in the evening with my wife? Am, am I going to be able to play with my kids? And then the story goes on and then he talks about the recovery and then he finishes it by going about, and I'm going to be looking forward to those walks. Well, basically spending time with my family, which when really that's the first thing going through your mind when you're getting rushed out of the hospital and your legs completely snapped in half, it's, am I going to be able to enjoy those moments with my family again? So even bigger than the game of football, but it was, it was pretty awesome to, to be able to experience that this season. And, and uh, I don't know, I saw... I saw a bunch of stuff talking about don't not only just give him the 2020 comeback of the year, name the award after, after him. So <laughs> I'm going to be interested to see in a couple yeah. of years. Now these retired, are, will they actually name it the Alex Smith comeback player of the year award? I mean, there's not much more you can come back from that. Like literally potentially being on your deathbed to, to amputation, to not even walking to coming back and leading a five and one charge to the playoffs. Like that's yeah. extremely impressive get rid of the trophy and turn that leg brace of his into the trophy. <laughs> I think that's what his wife was saying too, actually. That's, uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Interesting that. stat about, uh, about Alex Smith. Um, it was on CBS this afternoon. He's, he's one of the only five quarterbacks in league history to have 35,000 passing yards and 2,500 rush yards. One of only five quarterbacks and the others are like, uh, Donovan McNabb was one. Uh, I think Rand Tarkington was another one, I yeah. think. And uh, like oddly enough, it was his uh, his draft classmate Aaron Rodgers there with yeah. him. So those two are tied hip to hip for eternity. Yeah, which so. is which is crazy, especially especially when Aaron Rodgers was sour that San Francisco didn't draft him, oh, you know, like sour that, grapes. That, yeah, that goes, that goes deep. Armin, you had a, you had a comment there. Well, I was just going to say, we were talking about this this afternoon and both of us were talking like, it would have been great to see him play some more and, yeah. and see him play again another year or a few and see what he could do. But it, it's good to see him retire um, on his terms, especially exactly. after the injury he had. And like, uh, since I've started watching the NFL, so this will kind of make it seem like I haven't been watching too long, but I always rooted for him when I when I saw him play. Yeah. And I, he was the guy that you could always get behind. So 
like you mentioned too, the, the retiring on your own terms, not too many people end it on a win. Like when you think about a lot of guys hanging up, it's after a, a postseason run and you end up losing, you call it like quits, but he ended the season on a five and one run where it led him to the playoffs. And then like people remember, he didn't get a start in that playoff game. Um, and then obviously that was his final game was that week 17 against, was it the Eagles week 17? I think so. Yeah. yeah I'm trying I think to, that was the game that the, that the Eagles kind of like threw uh, or whatever and the jets and the yeah. giants were pissed and yeah, <laughs> what, a, yeah. what a mess that was. Um, okay. So I'm going to hammer through a few of these, a few free agent signings, not so much the importance of the actual signings themselves. It's more important to how does that impact the people around them in their organization. So I'm going to hammer them out just all in a row. Uh, a couple of them are just dynasty, like uh, little sleeper tidbits there that maybe people want to go after. A few of them will impact uh, redraft uh, implications as well, too. James Conner to Arizona for a one-year deal. Uh, Giovanni Bernard to Tampa Bay for a one-year deal. I think those two are going to be the biggest implicators. The rest of them are kind of just little uh, sleeper tidbits, maybe to try and go after in your dynasty league. Uh, Cordell Patterson to Atlanta for the one-year, $3 million. Uh, Thaddeus Moss uh, was waived by Washington and claimed by Cincinnati. Uh, the only thing that... That is, makes it worth interesting to, to, to know. It's not like Thaddeus Moss is some superstar that everybody's going to be going after. It's just the fact that it's reconnecting that, uh, that connection to Joe Burrow back, to, um, back in the LSU days. So, I mean, it might be a sneaky little play. I mean, it costs nothing to pick up and stash him and maybe see what happens. I mean, it could just, you could easily just be dropping him by week two too, but as a little dynasty tidbit there. Um, what else do I got here? Marquis Goodwin to uh, Chicago maybe not probably money will make the 53 man roster, but we'll wait and see what happens there. Uh, Jordan Howard to Philly kind of same boat. He, I know he put out a comment saying that he thought his career was over. And then all of a sudden Philly called him and said, Hey, you want to play football kind of thing. So <laughs> we'll see what happens there. And then uh, Falcons waving Edo Smith. And the last one too, a little bit of a dynasty tidbit too, is the, um, uh, the Washington football team after they had waived Thaddeus Moss, they ended up signing the Samus Reyes. I think I'm pronouncing his name, right. Never played a down of football in his life. He came from Chile to, uh, he's 24 years old. He came from Chile to be a basketball player and, um, and ended up signing this uh, contract after the pro day. And uh, yeah, so he's going to be a tight end for, for Washington. Never played a down of football. Um, big body can jump and like, like an athletic freak. So sometimes those uh, just going after the athletes pan out, especially the tight end position. I mean, they're, <laughs> when you look at this, when you look at their body takes, they're glorified basketball players for the most part, like, but uh, so it might be a little dynasty tidbit there to go after something of that sort. But I think the big two is James Conner in Arizona. I know a lot of people are really banking on uh, um, uh, Chase Edmonds. I know Dwayne was on last episode and he had talked about him for his dynasty perspectives. Um, and then Giovanni Bernard just making the Tampa Bay situation even more muddy. But uh, any, any comments, anything off that uh, list there that jumps out to you guys? I got four guys that I want to say a quick little tidbit about. Sure. Um, first off, the James Conner one. Again, we kind of touched on it last week. But I have, you know, Benjamin in Dynasty, and I was excited for him after Drake left. But now I'm not too sure. Um, but I think he has more potential now than he did before. So I think, like, this impacts Chase Edmonds a bit, right? But I think the biggest one is, you know, Benjamin could have been the number two there. And now he's definitely the number three but with Connor's injury history I think uh I'm still gonna keep him around and and bank on that that injury history there um yeah Bernard to Tampa Bay all I gotta say is like Tom Brady must really hate playing with inexperienced backs like (laughs) Nate must hate it 
because uh, they just keep bringing in all these like old backs just to kind of fill fill spots, eh? So it's another blow to another sophomore RB of mine in Vaughn, but. Yeah, uh, right after they just finished saying they like Vaughn and all of a sudden it's like, just kidding. Uh, we got a pass catcher available. We like him more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Cordell Patterson, I'm wondering, this is maybe a little um, hot take here. Maybe he moves to running back with uh, with Atlanta there. Moves from wide out to, to running back. He took some running back reps in Chicago last year. I think it might be possibility, right? They waived Dito Smith and uh, Gurley's not there. So it's Brian Hill and no one else really. So well, they, and then he does a lot, of, does a lot of punt but... return work too. So he's kind of a utility guy, yeah. right? Like he's got the punt return ability. He's got the kick return ability. And then obviously shifting him to the running back position like he has in Chicago. He's, he's just a versatile guy. And to lock him down for a one-year $3 million contract isn't, isn't a big hit by any means. Yeah. And the last one was uh, Howard. I actually think this will help uh, Sanders. Um, I think Philly might be realizing that Sanders might not be able to handle that like heavy, heavy workload, um, but he can play all three downs, right? Um, like he has the skill set to play all three downs. So I could see Howard coming in to just give him breathers here and there sure. throughout the season and then for for rushing downs and then Boston Scott on passing downs yep. would be the guy taking taking breath or giving Sanders breathers and I think with that lower amount of uh, lower amount of or lower amount of touches could be good for his production I think like he has great great game breaking ability to produce big numbers with that le- lesser volume so I think this could be good kind of like Aaron Jones with Green Bay where less is more almost for him yeah. Anything worth mentioning from your perspective there, Zach? Uh, yeah, two guys stood out to me. Um, going back to what Armin said about Giovanni Bernard, um, I know when Tom Brady was in New England, um, they built their offense around pass-catching backs, not only backs that can uh, catch designed routes out of the backfield, but they can just catch those easy drop-offs uh, when the play breaks down. But uh, more important than that, you need a running back that can pass block with Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, Tom's not winning any foot races. Let's face it. <laughs> the, plant, um, the plant man. Yeah, he can he can step up in the pocket. He can he can move around in the pocket. But uh, there's nothing more that Tom Brady seems to hate than uh, a pocket that's collapsing on him. And we've seen time and time again. Uh, Defenses that bull rush up the middle of give Tom Brady trouble. Um, if they think Giovanni Bernard can can be that pass blocking back, then they just took a 99 offense to a hundred. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a good point. I like because this was let, let, that past year, you saw a lot more emotion from Tom Brady than you had in seemingly this entire career in New England. And part of it was to do with hiccups with the offense, but I like how you mentioned there the 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 picking up of the pass block because that was obviously a major point of frustration from him, and he was quite vocal about that too. So that, I think that is a big signing on that perspective. There were there also there was rumors prior to this signing that the the Bucks were kicking the tires on James White, um, James White and Giovanni Bernard. They are they are not too different. No. Um, 
and James White, he brings that same skill set. Uh, great hands out of the backfield and a really good pass blocking running back. Um, and then going down to uh, to Ito Smith waving or being waved by the Falcons there. He was he was a third or fourth pick not too long ago. And, and granted, it's a different uh, front office, different coaching staff now, but that, that's still a relatively large or big move, I think, yeah. to, uh, to move on from a guy that you invested decent capital in. And what that signals to me is if they weren't in the, the running back market in the draft before, they are certainly now. Yeah. Um, like Armin said, there's, there's Brian Hill, and they brought in Mike Davis. Uh, Mike Davis, that signing didn't get a lot of, uh, you know, front page news kind of, but uh, he had a really good year last year with Carolina. Um, he stepped in admirably when uh, McCaffrey went down. Um, so maybe they're thinking that Mike Davis could be their guy, but I don't think it would be wise to count on, on Mike Davis. No. And looking at their draft capital, they have the 35th pick. Um in the draft, that's like pick three or four in the second round. That's right in the range uh, where last year guys like Clyde Edwards Alaire went, Jonathan Taylor went, Akers went there. Yeah, Swift, Swift went, went to that area. Three. So yeah, prime running back. Uh, yeah. If you're looking at like traditional running back territory, that uh, that late first to mid second, that's that's, that's been a sweet spot the past yeah. couple years. So especially in a draft that doesn't have top end talent at the running back position. Um, I think they're in a great spot to get one of those first three guys. Yeah. Um, and, th and that might've just signaled it uh, to me, at least that they were. They're just the for day, day two, day two pick, I think. Or yeah, absolutely. Even, or even, even take your shot on a day three pick and hope that Mike Davis is the answer. And, and if not, then because they have like, there's rumors that they're training back too. So they might be investing in some more day two, day three picks. So if that does hey, happen, like. You like, can get Najee Harris at 15 all day, baby. <laughs> He's guaranteed locked, ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, keep trade cuts here. Uh, so we're just doing this a little bit differently this, uh, this week. What we're going to do is as a special guest, Zach, he is going to talk to us about his keep trade cut. And then myself and Armin are just going to kind of critique a little bit and just share our two cents. Uh, just to speed things up a little bit, especially with uh, we're going into the offseason segment of rookie previews. So we got a few names we want to talk about uh, that might eat up a little bit of time here. So today's keep trade cut is uh, is titled draft day boomer bust, meaning that we have three running backs here that either their value is going to skyrocket post draft if their teams do not take a day or day one, day two, day three, typically day two, day three pick uh, that's going to dip into their shares. Uh, and if they do take a day two or day three running back, that these uh, obviously their value is going to take a massive blow. Uh, so we got names, Miles Gaskins from Miami, uh, James Robinson from Jacksonville, and Melvin Gordon from Denver. And I'm just going to list off a few picks here just in perspective. Miami, ton of picks. And there's rumors that they might even be trading back again. Um, so if that happens, if they trade back from six, then obviously they're going to be getting even more picks. And it's, it seems Miami's just doing their best. Kevin Causner impression of draft day here. But um, so they got picks 6, 18, 36, 50, 81. So some pretty good draft day picks on day one and day two. Uh, and then Jacksonville has obviously the pick number one, which is locked. But then they got pick 25, 33, and 45, which is probably in that range. Even 65 could probably be a pretty good running back as well in the day three. Uh, or in a third round, sorry. 
Uh, and then Melvin Gordon from Denver, uh, they got nine picks, but they're more back in loaded. Uh, they got pick number nine, 40 and 71, then one Oh four. After that, you're kind of getting into the round four, four ish uh, range. So um, Zach, keep trade cut miles, Gaskins, James Robinson, Melvin Gordon. You, uh, you did me dirty with James Robinson. I, uh, I figured this type of question was coming up uh, before I got the docket. And I was hoping against all hope that Robinson wasn't going to be in there. Uh, <laughs> it made me sweat there on Saturday morning as I was doing my work. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm certain Miles Gaskin. Um, I know he had a, he had a nice uh, second half of the season there. Um, but just looking at the, the picks that Miami has and kind of just the production that he put up, I would not be surprised if they moved on from him. Well, maybe not moving on but they gave him some realistic competition in the draft. Um, the 18th overall pick might be a bit rich, but like I just finished saying, they had the 36 pick. That is prime for a running back. And shoot, even with the 50th pick, if one of those guys slides until the mid later part of the second round, that's gravy. Um, and then looking at his, his stats from last year, granted it was only 10 games, but uh, he finished 37th in the league in totally or in rush yards. And his uh, 4.1 yards average was 40th in the league. So nothing really to write home about. Um, but again, of the three choices, I think he's, he's the most likely to get replaced. So I am cutting Miles Gaskins. Uh, Melvin Gordon. Uh, I'm going to trade Melvin. He is entering the final year of his contract and they just let Philip Lindsay leave uh, as a free agent. So even if they're not looking to replace Melvin Gordon, they are probably looking to have some insurance for this year and moving forward. I would rather move Melvin uh, a year early as compared to a year late. So I'm taking his value now which I think is, has a lot to do with his name. And I'm trying to find a guy that that's hurting for a running back to like lucky for him. He was, he likely won't get suspended for that DUI that he had at the end of last season. Um, but yeah, they did, they did drop a charge. They dropped the charges. So I can't imagine the league be taken, taking any action if the charges were dropped, but. Right. Um, but I think like, obviously it's, it's ridiculous to drink and drive. Um, and I think having that whole Britt Reed scandal hanging over the, the league, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if they started taking a much harder stance. And like, it's about time they took a harder stance on, on things like that. So yeah, I totally agree. I think, yeah. I think moving on from Melvin Gordon uh, this year uh, would just be the best idea of the three trying to trade him, trying to get uh just try to get something of value yeah. for him. And then James Robinson, this one's, it, it's real scary. Um, undrafted rookie. So there's really minimal investment in him. Uh, brand new coaching staff. So you don't know what to expect. What the heck does old man Meyer want? Who knows? <laughs> um, and then you look at their picks. They got 25, 33, 45, 65. That is four picks. Easy. You can see the top three running backs go in that range. Yeah. High impact gonna, players in that round. 
yep, they could they could have four cracks at any of the top three running backs if the board falls their way. Um, but conversely, though, out of the three guys you gave me, he has the most upside. So if one of you guys said, let's trade him, let's get the let's get a king's ransom, that's a great idea too. But I'm hoping against hope that James Robinson doesn't get competition and I'll roll with another 1,400 yards and a dozen touchdowns. Yeah. I think it's uh I think it's interesting. I'll, I'll let Armin take a swing here too, but I mean, all three guys could easily be replaced, right? Like I think out of the three of the Melvin Gordon's probably the least likely to be replaced in this draft, but is going to be replaced eventually here where the other two have the higher opportunity of being replaced in this, like you mentioned this draft, Armin, any, uh, anything, any, do you agree with this selection? Disagree? What do you, what do you figure? I agree with all three that Zach said there. Um, I mean, I like the point about Melvin Gordon for, for trading him. Trade him when he, he's the least likely to be replaced this year. So trade him while he's got value. And he's starting to get a bit older too, right? So get rid of him. Robinson, he he produced at such a high level last year. Like, where was he in, in the RB rankings? Like, top five? I think it was RB7, I think, or RB6. Okay. Yeah, so that production with uh, probably a better team this year, I mean, you got to gamble and roll the dice on that. Cause you yeah. trade them now, you're, you're, uh, you might be losing that value and you're also trading them at a point where everyone's buying him low or trying to buy him low right now. Probably. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to trade this. I'm going to change the name of this uh, segment to trade trade. I don't have shares in cause uh, I traded two of the three <laughs> in the last <laughs> week. One of them like six days ago and then one of them like six hours ago. So a little, a little insight. I traded <laughs> Melvin Gordon in a package that I got just uh, Jonathan Taylor in same thing. Like you mentioned that Melvin Gordon, this is like, he's, he's a, he's a lone guy there. He's the only guy there name value with having a decent year last year, like redraft. I'm all in dynasty. I'm kind of all out. I still like for right. win now teams. He's the, if you're a win now team, you should be targeting Melvin Gordon and buying him right now before the season starts. So I think he's going to have a big year and then it's going to be high Melvin Gordon's payments. Um, and then I traded Miles Gaskins last night. Uh, this one's kind of was one of those ones that we were talking about beforehand that just uh, just the right time, right place, get rid of him before the, the draft happens. Cause right now he's got the value. And in about two and a half weeks, I think he's going to have no value. So I ended up flipping two two middle of the middle, middle uh, to bottom end receivers for getting two first. So I ended up kind of making out and having a, pretty good little uh celebration on that one last night same thing like zach had mentioned i i felt like uh i felt like i was in the office giving the old shooters uh <laughs> right in our group chat right in our uh, league group chat i said okay who's next and i was giving the michael scott shooters i was just oh i was having a good time um so yeah i'm gonna go trade trade maybe get shares in i don't know so that'll <laughs> that's uh that's keep trade cut of this week um same thing I, i'm interested to see what the draft happens because we talked about beforehand trading miles Gaskin seems like a no brainer right now, but if for some weird reason, Miami doesn't draft a running back. Oh boy. Like I just gave up a pretty good running back for literally nothing. So, so we'll wait and see off season segment here. Uh, this week is the rookie previews. So we're going to, we're not going to go super in depth to every single player here. We'll give you our consensus top five, and then we'll kind of just kind of share some comments and stuff about, uh, about the players and individuals. Uh, so the top five quarterbacks for our consensus rookie previews, uh, number one, um, all together, 
Trevor Lawrence from Clemson uh, was our first quarterback. Then I think a little bit off consensus uh, go like after number one, that's when the draft's going to start in reality. A lot of people have number two, uh, Zach Wilson locked into the Jets, but we went off a little bit, whether we think that's the Jets should draft or not, but we're off consensus based from a dynasty or, or, or a fantasy perspective. We went Justin Fields from Iowa State to as consensus of uh, the second quarterback. Then we went Trey Lance from North Dakota State as our consensus three. Then we had Zach Wilson from BYU as our consensus number four. And then uh, I don't think by any surprise, we had Mac Jones as, uh, from Alabama as our number five. I mean, I, I'm sure this is obviously quite different than consensus, especially in the industry right now. You look at Twitter and Twitter is a buzz. It's just Lawrence and it's just Wilson. And then the, everything, the draft starts from there. NFL draft, I think that's that's true, but yeah. NFL draft compared to fantasy draft, two different two different ball games. So um, I don't know who wants to kind of maybe take a take a swing first. I think pretty consensus Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you can open up your sheets and tell us whatever you want about Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's pretty locked and loaded. He's going to be a fantasy asset. The only thing I did mention about Trevor Lawrence that I think is going to be interesting to watch that uh, he keeps the ball really close to the line of scrimmage. Like, um, like that's, that's the knock for Tua. Everybody's talking about Tua, Tua, Tua. He doesn't go deep. He doesn't go deep. Well, Lawrence's average depth of target was 9.0 yards. So it's not like he's ripping it down the field either. He's like 99th percentile of, of screen passes, but he's not going downfield either. So I think that's an interesting thing to look at from a fantasy perspective as we move forward. But I still think Trevor Lawrence in the super flex is kind of the locked and loaded one one But uh, any anybody that uh, any, either of you two want to take a swing at somebody off the at the start, uh, start here? To go, go, to go off on that stat that you just gave, um, he led the nation in 2020 in like quote unquote easy yards. 686 yards came on screens. Um, no, no brainer. He's 99 percentile. If you're getting, those yeah, no, no, yards. like that's that's no knock on him. Like you watch him play, he can get the ball downfield in a hurry. That's just the offense that he that he had. Exactly. That's, that was the system that they had, and and it worked for them. Like Clemson's been a machine for the past three seasons. Like. Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But exactly. Yeah, you can't knock I, a I can guy because of the offense he played in. So we, do we yeah, all three have certainly... Justin Fields as the second? I had him for two. Yeah, yeah. I did too. Okay, so we, I think we are, uh, we are out of can like our consensus is obviously different than most consensus. But Zach, do you want to take a swing at Fields first, or? Yeah, sure. Um, I think uh, Justin Fields. He's been him and Trevor Lawrence have been. Uh, tied tied together since since high school uh they were both five-star guys coming out of uh i think georgia and uh they were they've kind of been the top two picks in a lot of people's minds and and maybe that's why i put them at number two i've just had that in my head for the past couple years that it's it's lawrence and fields it's yeah it's trevor and justin but uh, I get like watching watching Justin play at Ohio State the past two years. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, he's somebody that can he can throw the ball around the field, but he can also be involved in the run game a little bit more. I think mm-hmm. he's uh, he's certainly athletic enough. He's fast enough. He put up like a bizarre forty time for a quarterback. It was in the low four fours. Um, I think the the number one thing that 
really stands out for me though about Fields is uh and was the first playoff game this year against Clemson. He takes that big shot to the ribs. Uh I, I might have died. Like that could have killed me. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, he takes a lot of big shots. He took a big shot and um a lesser man would have been like, no, I'm good. I am I am going top five in the draft. See you later. Yeah, I am sliding. Put me on ice, coach. <laughs> but uh he hopped on that bike, he was pedaling around, and he goes back in and he wins the game for them. So um you can't question his his toughness and uh his leadership. Uh I don't think you can question that either. Um, before this season started, the Big Ten wasn't going to play. They they were one of the uh, last conferences to uh, to return to play. And like I said, you're a potential top five pick. Set out, man. Like you got nothing to lose. Yeah. But not only did he play this season, he he led the charge for the Big Ten to come back. So toughness, leadership, check check. I think. Uh... I think like he like, like I think they like mentioned like it was always the one two and then all of a sudden after the pro day I think it's kind of when it started really going Wilson after watching the pro day and I'll mention Wilson when we kind of get there but the, I'm just gonna mention two cons here I noticed a lot of my uh, like a lot of my video tape watching there and then a few just other looking at like reading of articles and stuff of people in the industry uh, the big thing is ability to for blitz pickup and pre snap reads. And I know when you look at some of the guys, some of the young quarterbacks that have come into the league, that's a lot of the issues they've had to is establishing the pre-snap reads. Like I know what was the quote, like Sam Darno was it last year, two years ago, I'm seeing ghosts when they're playing the Pats. Like, yeah, that's an issue when your franchise quarterback is quote unquote saying I'm seeing players everywhere. So that's obviously, I think something that's going to be a watch for that's NFL purposes. I think for when you talk about the, for us, for fantasy, that rushing floor, we, we, we mentioned before, I know Armin and I've talked about it a lot. The rushing floor is just a cheat code. Like you picking up Lamar Jackson in 2018 in that trade, his rushing floor, even this last year, everybody's saying Lamar wasn't that great. Well, the rushing floor supports you. You're not going to have a negative game script. Like if you're not going to have a negative four week because you got the rushing yards, you could throw four picks, but you're rushing for 115 yards. You're still having a good day. So I think that's kind of maybe, I can't speak on behalf of both of you guys, but that's one of the reasons why I have Fields and Lance. Lance, I think he's going to be a wild card. I think he's like got the big boomer bunts. Like he can be a flop or he can be absolute gold mine. but they have the rushing floors that, that Wilson and Jones doesn't, especially Jones. Like, I think when you have 10 rushing yards the entire year, like I, they, they have that upside where I think fantasy starting to get to that, that push where you need to have that rushing floor to be relevant. And if you don't, there, there's not a place in, in fantasy anymore for the Eli Mannings. You need to have the rushing floor, right? There's a reason why guys are jumping all over these these young Russian quarterbacks early in drafts. Armin, do you, uh, do you have anything to uh, maybe mention differently than Fields, or do you want to take a swing at Lance here? You know, like everything you said about that, that rushing floor is awesome. And just to add to that, his body type and talking about like Zach seeing him take a hit, like you look at Lamar Jackson, he's fast, but is he built like a running back not really fields is built like a running back um kind of like Dak Prescott is built like a running back so I think like that will create a little bit more longevity too for him so that that rushing floor will hold on for a little bit longer before he has to start transitioning into that quarterback that maybe only has to 
scramble instead of rushing the ball forward, you know? For sure. Um, and, and it will also give them the ability to develop a little bit, a little bit more time to develop, right? If he can produce that, the results through rushing, it will give him some time to develop as a, as a, as a thrower and being able to read defenses a bit too. Uh, one more thing about fields. Um, so I mentioned that uh, Trevor Lawrence had 686 yards on screens. Um, Justin Fields only had 86 all season. So you're looking Tough at yards. two totally yeah. different types of offenses. <laughs> um, and I, I think that might be why sometimes Justin gets, gets dinged for um, going to the ball too long or, or uh, not making quick decisions. Like the offense that he plays under at Ohio State, they weren't throwing those quick hitters. It was the receivers are getting deep downfield. Like, shoot, I bet Trevor Lawrence had 86 yards and screen passes in a game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to sit back there longer. You're going to hold on to the ball for a little bit when your plays are developing 15 plus yards downfield. Like, like we mentioned, that you can't knock a quarterback for the system he's in, right? Uh, yeah. So Trey, Trey Lance, rushing rushing quarterback, similar, I guess, I guess a lot of comps to Fields in the in the similarities of the rushing platform, but maybe a little bit more of that. They, they say the pure arm talents, how how quickly and how powerfully he can get that ball out of his hand. But uh, Armin, you want to take a quick uh, quick swing at Lance? Well, I, yeah, I was just saying, yeah, similar profile to Fields. Um, I was pretty impressed rush, watching him. Probably not quite the the same rusher as Fields, but he's still a pretty good rusher. Um, probably won't be able to take a hit like Fields, but who knows? <laughs> like you said, that that arm talent uh, is is nothing to scoff at either. So pretty um, similar. There's those few differences here and there. But it really hurt him, obviously not having the season this year. Like he had that incredible 2019, and then he had one game this year, and it was supposed to be this showcase, blow him out kind of game, and and he had a, he had a bit of a tough a go, which I mean it happens. Quarterbacks have tough days, but when that's the only film of this season they have to go off of and try and scout you, there's a reason he's kind of dropping down off draft boards a little bit. But I I I am a firm believer, and I think I've already projected. I said that I think Lance is going in at 103. I think he's going to San Francisco. I think that's something that could be, like I said, that boomer bust. And I know I'm, I'm sure Lance was the guy that you're hoping that maybe the uh, the Pats are going to be able to trade up for. If not Lance, it would be Fields, because I'm sure that Lance or Fields is kind of in that 103 position there. I'd be I'd be shocked if San Francisco gave that much up to get uh, to get Jones, but uh, but only time will tell. So uh, Wilson, our, I, I don't think we're going to spend too much time talking about Jones here. Very Eli Manning-esque pocket passer. I think he's later they mentioned he's probably the most ready as from like a throwing perspective, even though a lot of the film I looked at, he's a, he's short arming a lot of those deep passes where like in, even his pro day receivers are having to, to run under and, and cut back to get those deep passes. But I think Wilson projected probably to be the one Oh two jets and the jets fans are already buying jerseys. They're ready to go for, <laughs> for Wilson mania. Um, you guys want to take a swing at Wilson and exactly ready to go there. Uh, I would like to go back to Lance for a second. Yeah, for sure. Um, he he's throwing one more college interception than I have. Yeah, and it was like he's wasn't only throwing it this one interception. Too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When his he entire twenty eighteen interceptions in uh, in nineteen, unbelievable. Um, I think 
as much as I applauded Fields for coming back uh, for the season and in the playoff game, I think Trey Lance hurt himself coming back. He could have, if he would have just sat out, he would have had one season of just electric team. Great, great teams to scout. Um, in, in 19, he had 1,100 rushing yards for 14 TDs. And uh, PFF had 967 of those on designed runs. That guy can boogie. Oh, yeah. He's the quarterback that you want. Uh, if you want rushing, Trey Lance is your guy. I've seen um, a lot of comps. Then- I've seen a lot of comps for him and, uh, and Murray. They've been comps to be very similar quarterbacks. Whether take that with a grain of salt you or not. You could take Kyler Murray and you could stack Kyler Murray on top of <laughs> Kyler Murray. And that's that's Trey Lance. He's six four. He's I'm talking huge. about I'm talking about the ability to bogey a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then two more cool little tidbits. Um, he wasn't recruited by power five schools to play receiver, or sorry, to play quarterback. Um but he had power five offers to play linebacker, safety, tight end. So the guy's an athlete and he's only 20 years old. So yeah. I think the best has yet to come. Best case scenario for him. He comes to New England and Dynasty 3.0. <laughs> have, my first son is named Trey and we're sure. going. <laughs> Short turnaround. We're yeah. back. But uh, like in all seriousness, I think best case for, for Trey Lance, you go somewhere like San Fran, Atlanta, New England, somewhere where you don't have to start. Yeah, you take the year uh, development. Exactly, exactly. Look at Mahomes. Uh, yep, for, exactly. Um, you go somewhere like uh, New York. Uh, hope Hopefully uh, you got tough skin because you're going to go out there week one. Yeah. And uh, take your swim, kid. Yeah, yep. shredded. Uh, Wilson, I know um, Dwayne being on the podcast last uh, last week or a week and a bit ago, and he had mentioned the Wilson was he thought there's only two quarterbacks that were legit, and he figured Wilson being one of them, so we might catch a little bit of flack here with us saying that Wilson's four. <laughs> but keep in mind, we're going off a dynasty perspective here too. Like yeah. when you look at the rushing floor, I'd rather take the little bit of lesser quarterback with the rushing floor than the elite pocket passer because um, you get that, like I said, you get that rushing floor. But Wilson, I think doesn't quite have that rushing platform, obviously, like the other two do. But so I'll let you guys go first because I might be a little contrarian to maybe some of the conversation, but I'll, maybe I'll let you guys go first on what you think about Wilson. You know, I uh, watching his tape, I didn't think he was terrible at running. You know, like he he used his legs to get out of pressure a lot. And he he did do some, some pretty good rushes in, in the – film I was watching I I was impressed I didn't think it was any fields or lands but he could still get it done on the ground he's incredibly athletic outside the pocket like incredibly athletic yeah yeah I hadn't heard of Zach Wilson until like September October of this year um so unlike Lawrence unlike Fields unlike Lance uh Wilson's relatively new to me um, but then looking into his stats, he made some huge strides in 2020. Uh, his completion percentage went from 61.6 in 19 to 72.7 in 2020. 
Um, and then I found out that in, in 19, he had some injuries. So that, that held him back from having another, or from having his, uh, an earlier breakout. Yeah. Uh, but this year was a true breakout, uh, close to 3,700 yards, 32 TDs, three INTs. Uh, like you guys said, watching him play, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's like playing Madden, like this guy's out of the pocket and just slinging it. Um, like hopefully he's a lot more Baker Mayfield than he is Johnny Manziel, but <laughs> like that, that, that could be what we're looking at here. Like this guy's out there joysticking left and right and just bombing it. Um, it is interesting though to note, uh, from everything I've read, uh, BYU had one of the best offensive lines in the nation and they were pay- playing a non power five schedule. So these aren't chumps that they're playing, but they're not the Ohio States of the world. They're not Alabama, USC. Um, so you pair the best offensive line in the nation against a less than superior co- level of competition you can get out of the pocket you can get away with a few things that you might not get away with if you're Justin Fields or or Trevor Lawrence. Like they, the same comp they do. It was Josh Allen a few back a few years back where they, Oh, you didn't have the elite competition, which in in fairness, like he didn't, that you can go with it. But sometimes like you've seen a lot of quarterbacks that maybe didn't have the elite competition, but still excelled Wilson. Like, so everybody was in awe of that rolling out to the left, cross your body, to that deep right pass in his in his pro day and it was incredible like like that is like zero chance i could do that first of all but zero chance there's a lot of players in the nfl that can even do that you know what i mean like it was an incredibly impressive throw but the thing that people forget is tom brady would still be coming around the boot (laughs) yeah he'd he'd, uh maybe trip over himself and but then still launch a (laughs) 50-yard dime um but the thing people forget is it's pro day you're throwing in your home field. You're throwing to your receivers that you've been throwing to for three, four, five, however many years. Like if that's if that's in the combine, I would have been more impressed, and I'd have been sold on him. Like, I, like I'll, I'll get back to it in a second, but like that's that's the bread and butter. That it's never gonna get easier than that. Like that's he's never gonna have an easier opportunity to make that throw. If you're doing that in the combine and you overthrow him or you underthrow him by twenty yards, everybody's saying, "Oh my God, look at Wilson. He's a bust. That was a bad throw." So that was a pretty risky throw, first of all. But in the pro day, that's when you want to make those throws. In the combine, obviously, that didn't happen. We didn't get in a combine this year. So that's as good as we're going to see. Um, but you know when you get a player and you just watch their film and you just you make your mind up about a player and you're just like, I just don't think you're going to be very good? That's me with Wilson. I can't look at the paper and be like, this is the exact reason why I think you aren't going to succeed. It's just something about him that's like, I, I don't – I don't, I can't put a finger on it, but it's just, I just don't see you as being an elite NFL talent. And I, that's maybe just me just kind of just winging it and just saying that's just how I, it's just one of those things like you just look at him and I, I don't see you as a breakout candidate. I don't see you to have the, the skills. Like, yes, you have that athletic outside the pocket and you can get rid of the ball quickly, but I just don't see you being an NFL elite talent. That's maybe just hearsay. Maybe that's just my opinion, but I just, um, yeah, I just I just don't see him being being the answer for for the Jets, and I mean take it take it with a grain of salt, obviously, because I don't have a lot of statistics to back that back that take. But but it, uh, it is what it is, and and uh, I guess only time will tell. He's probably going to get taken in that one hundred two spot, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens from there. Any uh, anything to add uh, 
maybe from the Wilson or the Jones before we move on to the next uh, next position here, fellas. Zach, you want to you want to throw that little two cents out there? That's a good one. I didn't know that about Wilson. Oh, uh, my favorite story about Wilson. Yeah. So he, uh, you know, maybe he makes it in the pros, maybe he doesn't. But my favorite story about Zach Wilson is he took two girls to a senior prom. Like, uh, unreal. I'm a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, just, we're just laughing there. I'm having some technical difficulties with the pod today. And so it's been kind of uh, frustrating. So we're having little side stories as we're waiting for the technology to work today. But Zach says, yeah, giving off that Bo Callahan vibes. And I said, hey, He's got to, he's got to get somebody from uh, BYU to tell everybody, everybody went to his birthday party. Everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. went <laughs> yeah. um, real quick. I guess we're, we're running a little long today, but I know Armin has a quick little take. He wants to mention about Mac Jones. You know, I felt, felt the same way watching Mac Jones as you did watching Zach Wilson, to be honest, I saw it and I was like, I don't know what I, I just don't, I'm not buying it for some reason I just couldn't I couldn't get wrap my head around it but you know what I think it was is you you talked about how like he he's an old school type quarterback and watching him throw like even the way he throws I had to double check to make sure I was watching like a quarterback that's being drafted in 2021 I thought I was watching someone from like 1990 he needs to get he needs to get drafted in 04 and and have a have a good 15 16 year career as a pocket passer yeah exactly i actually i'm a big mac jones stan um i like him uh maybe not as a an elite level quarterback but i love the story um like one year starter he sat behind jalen hurts and tua could have easily transferred to a smaller school for more playing time, but he stuck it out. And then throughout the draft process, whenever he's brought up in interviews, whether it's uh, Smith, Waddle, Harris, that's their guy. Uh, Smith and Waddle on record on separate occasions have been asked, who did you enjoy playing with more Tua or Mac Jones? Both of them on record. Mac's my guy. Love Mac. Uh, Najee Harris on a Adam Schefter podcast. He's my guy, ride or die, Mac Jones. Um, I don't think you, you get that type of loyalty easily. I think that's, that's given, sorry, that's earned and not not given. given. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, when I was looking it up four, six, 40, four, six, eight, 40. Not a bad athlete. Could be worse. He looks like he looks like your uncle at the backyard barbecue with the top off, uh, gassing cigars, but not a bad athlete. Hey, everybody's going to his birthday party. Absolutely, <laughs> it's gonna be a party. <laughs> Unreal. I there's no there's no way San Francisco's taking him at 103. You know what I mean? Like at best, you're trying to hope he gets. Like you already have a Mac Jones. You know what I mean? Like in real reality, you're looking to get rid of him by drafting and trading up to the 103. But really, San Francisco already has a Mac Jones. That's that's if Mac Jones turns into really like a, a like I said the the comp earlier was the Eli Manning. Then you're going to have a successful career, but just unfortunately the NFL is going in a different direction kind of like an Armin said, they're looking for a little bit of that rushing. But like I said he he can run. It's just a matter of maybe if he can get the get the horses moving a bit. 
Well, that'll do it here, everybody, for uh, for the first half of this episode. Uh, with it being uh, with it being the rookie rankings here and leading up to the draft, we want to be pretty detail orientated. Um, so everything ran a little bit longer than usual. Uh, so if you want to hear the second half of this episode where we start breaking down our running backs, receivers, our tight ends, and then also catching our hot takes, uh, the second half of this episode is going to be dropping in in two days' time. Uh, so stay tuned for that, everybody. And as per usual, uh, give us a follow on our social media platforms at 306FFB. And uh, stay tuned for episode number two, our episode part two of this, uh, of the rookie preview segment. And uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be catching up with you guys in a short period of time here. Have a great day, everybody. Take care and talk soon. Mm-hmm.